Yeah, I can hear you, man. All right, all right. Let's get this started. I just want to say a quick welcome to the Fourth and Lace podcast. Um, this is Lace, your host. Um, I have my homie, one of my best friends, one of my gaming buddies over the past three years now. Um, Monty here. We're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about. He plays semi-pro. Um, in Indiana, check them out or check them out your local semi-pro teams for whatever state you might be in. And also, he's also an engineer as well. So we're going to, those are going to be the main focus of topics today. Get from here, Monty. Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on this morning. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, today, we're um, not too busy with day going today. We had a Indianapolis Tornadoes. We have a game out in, um, against the Martinsville Indiana Cutters. We're going to be out there in Danville this afternoon playing them. A uh, game starting at 7. So um, it's like semi-pro is kind of a weird thing to get into. Um, never really thought in a thousand years I'd be playing semi-pro football, but it's, it's a nice brotherhood. The guys kind of build on the weekends. Um, it's pretty it's, – it's, you'd be surprised how much drama can be around football. But uh-huh. at the end of the day, like, um, I do enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's like it's, – it's, it's, it's called semi-pro, but really I use that term sparingly myself. It's closer to rec football. You know, um, you know how rec is. You know, there's people out there who shouldn't even be playing sometimes. And, you know, you got some people who are just past their heyday. You know, um, I think semi-pro is a good tool for football. I feel like we just have to work on getting get more geared towards the younger athletes. I think right wow. now semi-pro is so geared towards being a being a medium for our older athletes, people who, you know, whose chance has been long gone. And I feel like if semi-pro were being used in the correct fashion, how it was made, to be a developmental league, I feel like, you know, the average age of these teams should be around, you know, it should be like 23-year-old, 24-year-old average. It shouldn't be full of guys who are on the other side of 30. And I think that's what um, took a lot of the legitimacy away from semi-pro as a developmental sport. I feel like just the fact that we is full of older guys who are quote-unquote looking for, you know, wherever they think it is, they're shot at stardom or whatever, but it's like, you go and look at the history, and it's like, there isn't any semi-pro guy who's like 30 years old, who's made it to the NFL, and that's not to say to stop trying, but it's, I think people need to gear their efforts correctly in semi-pro for it to take off like it's supposed to be, because, you know, you look at basketball, basketball players, they have so many different avenues to go, if NBA doesn't work out. I mean, even the college route doesn't work out. So many different avenues to play basketball and make an actual good living versus, you know, when it comes to football, it's kind of, you know, it's D1, D2. And if you didn't do one of those, you know, a lot of people are looking at you like you didn't really do much. But, you know, a lot of young guys also have to take into account that getting to school is half of the prize as well. You know, um, I think a lot of the guys, they want to be a college athlete, 
but they don't really understand how much stress that puts on college athletes and how what college athletes have to do to be prepared to play every week. It's I played at AT. I played there for my first two years. Um uh-huh. and I'll get on exactly how that fell out. But uh-huh. you know, it's it's just a whole different like going from high school, like I played at a small high school well not a small high school, but I played four double A football in North Carolina. So my high school wasn't the biggest, wasn't the smallest, you know, in, in the standards of the U.S., or right in the middle of size-wise. But going from, you know, a small town out, out in the country in Benson, North Carolina, and going out to Greensboro, North Carolina, where now I'm at, like, an international school that has people from all genres, all different places and everything, You still with me? Hey, Mont, you still with me? Well, it looks like maybe um, Monty might have lost a connection or so of that nature. Um, but as far as he's talking about, I do see that. There's no real avenues anymore as far as football, like how we had with um, basketball, because um, the C- unless you do the CFL, I mean, the XFL is supposed to come back in the next two years. Um, you used to have NFL Europe um, and so many other opportunities that I do agree with you. You don't really have. It's like if you don't hit a division one, two, or three, then you're kind of like, you know, YSL, you know, you know, shit out of luck because it's like you – there's not really much to do, and that's why we try to teach the people who are playing football and stuff of this nature to be able to um, to get the education first and foremost, because if the NFL career doesn't happen for you, um, there's really not too many other avenues to so get the education so you can go out and make, you know, the nice bit of money. Because the good thing about uh, Monty here is he did go to school for engineering. So, you know, football was also a thing, but he also set himself up for after football. And that's what a lot of people aren't setting themselves up for is the after football. Football pay can pay for you and yourself, but you have to be top, top tier. And that requires a lot of sacrifice. And hey, you said it right there, bro. Sacrifice. A lot of a lot of guys don't understand the sacrifice mm-hmm. that D1 athletes have to put in. And that's why it's like some people who try to get on D1 athletes because they're going to get paid soon for their likeness, which is well mm-hmm. long overdue. Because overdue decades. A, a lot of people like don't understand. It's like they are a student athlete. That is a mm-hmm. that is, they're they're working they're like for lack of better terms, they're working two jobs versus you have some people who are mad at student athletes for having that, what they quote, they think it's a leisure. They think it's a, they think it's their right. Well, in reality, you know, being a student athlete is a privilege. You know what I'm saying? That's a privilege that you earn every day by going to class, going to practice, Uh going to study hall. It's like, I'll I'll give you a quick rundown of, of how, like I said, this is the, this is a, this is D1 AA A&T. And I know they stepped there. I know, like, ever since, ever since we had Coach Broadway come over there, he's really, like, he he 
he molded that program, and now we have Coach Washington over there, and I just know that program's running like a well-oiled machine now. But it's like, you know, before we got that, we started getting media coverage, like we've been getting over the last 10 years as a school. It's like, you know, when it comes to D1AA, we don't have the big facilities like, hey, like Alabama did. We didn't have the, you know. Oregon, you on, you, yeah. Yeah, you, you can go on YouTube. You can see all the little visits and everything like that. We didn't have none like that. We had the field house, you know, and that was it. The field house had, had our weight room in it, you know. We, had, we, we did our meetings at where our locker room was at, where our trainer, our, our training staff was at. And we kind of shared that. We shared that field room, field room, you know, seasonally also with all the other athletic teams, like track team. Excuse me. That's so why so I cool. love, that's why I love Prime. Because he could have went to Florida State where he did go to school at. He could have been assistant coach at Alabama, Tennessee, or wherever the hell he wanted to go. But instead, he went to an HBCU school um, and got a lot of five-star athletes to come there as well, too, to bring money back to those little smaller schools. Because at the end of the day, like when I was at Oregon, a lot of people might not know this, but the dude who owns Nike went to Oregon and Stanford. So if you actually see their uh-huh. facilities, it's top-of-the-line facilities because he, he, he dumps millions every single year into those to make them top schools, even though they might be not winning like they used to. But they have the money and they have the boosters because Florida has tons of boosters. But all the money for them boosters goes to uh, Florida State, uh, uh, Florida, uh, um, and you know, and a couple of other schools. And and I'm glad that you that you, that you said that because I think that's the stigma we need to get a lot of people out of. If you good, and I love that that, that Shannon Sharp said this because he went to you know. Um, I think it was like Georgia Southern, Georgia State or some of that. No, it's Savannah State. I'm sorry. Savannah State, which is not too far away from Atlanta because I am from Atlanta. Um, he went to school at Savannah State, but his brother went to um, South Carolina, which is a huge school. He had to go to a small school. Mm-hmm. And he always says, and, and Tom Brady will attest to this, the NFL will find you if you are talented enough. It don't matter where you go to school at. They will actually find you. Um, Good talk, man. Like they went and got, yeah. They don't. They'll get you from whatever school you go to if you can play. Um, forget it, because you know, um, one of my favorite players, you put me on to him, um, um, Darius Leonard, because I'd never heard of this South man. Carolina State, man. South Carolina State, never South Carolina heard State of University, him. man. The boy, hey, man, look, dog, these guys got to stop sleeping on these HBCUs, man. The HBCU, uh-huh. like, don't worry, that's not just a title. I would say the D1AA, that's just a title. But HBCU, it's like a lot of these younger athletes and things, they have to understand that the reason why HBCUs aren't on the same economic stature uh-huh. as some of these PWIs is because we've kind of brainwashed them over the years of thinking that they can't go to one of these schools and still make their dreams come true. When in reality, A&T makes the most black engineers in the world. Like, no no other school makes more black engineers than A&T. So, on top of that, there are avenues to get in professional sports from wherever you are. It doesn't matter, you know? It really doesn't matter where you play ball at. I know, I'm pretty sure, um, what school did Dame Lillard come out of? I think it was, uh, Dame Lillard uh, didn't come out of Weber State? Biggest. 
Yeah, he didn't come out of one of the biggest schools. Look at him now. Yeah. It's nah. It's I think we have to change the stigma and make these and get some of these kids to be more prideful about where they came from. They need to understand the the historical importance of HBCUs. People don't a lot of people don't understand that these were made because these were the only places we could go to. We couldn't go to uh uh, a, a Wake Forest or a Duke or UNC, you know what I'm saying? We had to choose. We had to go to ANTs, Winston Salem State, FAMU, yep. Bethune Cook, yep. Howard, um, uh-huh. uh, Florida A and M, Bramley State, Norfolk, Tennessee uh, State. Yep, Tennessee. Come on State. now, we got Elizabeth City. We got we got so many different so many different avenues out here, man, and. Like I said, a lot of these programs are, are really just thirsty to get these top quality athletes so they can start building their names. And we just need the athletes to give these schools a chance because these schools will take care of you. And if you're like me, and like I said, I went to I, I went to school out in the country for a good bit of my life. Uh-huh. Went to school. I went to school a couple of different places. But I lived in the country a lot where, you know, for lack of a better term, I was pretty much the only black kid in my class a lot of the time. There's probably all through K through 12, it was me and probably about, I want to say about five other black kids that kind of, you know, went through these honors courses together. But for some reason or, or another, we never had more than one of another in the class. So going from that scenario, going all the way to HBCU and finally being in a place where you can be comfortable in your skin and, and people are like you, people understand your viewpoints, people understand how you look at life. It's it's just a whole game changer, dude. You 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 find yourself a little more, especially like I say, if you went if you've been a minority in like every school you've ever went to, you definitely should go to HBCU. So you can just see how it feels not to be a minority, how it feels to understand that there's a lot of people out there that share your opinions, share your viewpoint on life, and and they're looking for the same kind of opportunities that you're looking for as well. Because that's what HBCUs kind of boils down to. People there, it, it's it's just a sign. It's a unity, man. It's like you go to AT, man. And you go like you, you go check out AT during during the um during the welcome week, during, during you know, during the summer. You see how, how much unity people got. And it's just like it's 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 a beautiful thing to see out there, man, when you're you know, on the HBCU campus and you see how unified the young black people are. And, uh-huh. and it's just like I said, it's a it's a life changing experience to go to an HBCU, man, and see that and be a part of it and experience it. And it's Man, it was like four years of being at the cookout, dude. It was, it was, it was a great time. I can't, you know, you look, you look back and you, you have regrets and things. Everybody else has regrets, but oh yeah, I always, can't, always. If I had to do it again, I'll go right back to NT, man. I couldn't see myself going somewhere else. I know my, my time playing football, and we'll talk about that. Didn't end how I wanted it to, but I still feel like I got, I got the experience that I needed to get. I got I got the knowledge that I needed to get. I got the the wherewithal, you know, the lessons that I needed to learn. Um, you know, and one of those lessons was, you know, humility and also being coachable. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a true. lot of people don't understand when it comes to these D one, you know, also, you know, going from a small school to a big school. People don't a lot of people don't understand how seriously and how much how much like a business some of these colleges run their football team. And you know, uh-huh. being coachable and being humble. Yeah, that will get you far in life. You always have to be coachable in life, no matter what you do, whether it's on the football field 
or whether it's in an office, warehouse, or you know, working from home, you, you always have to be coachable in every part of life. And I love that you talked about the HBCUs because when I was in high school, I actually got accepted into um, I got accepted into Kentucky State, which actually is an HBCU. Um, I didn't end up going to Kentucky State because um, I didn't go to school for like a year or two after I graduated. Um, but if I could go back, I would tell my younger self, uh, Lace, make sure you go to HBCU because I mean, I did go to all black school. It was predominantly black, like maybe 96, 97% black. Um, and I was talking with my coworkers this other day. One of, my, one of my black coworkers came up to me and was like, I never knew that there was a black national anthem. I've been, I've known about the black national anthem since I was like six years old. And I'm like 27 right now. I know, I know it lift every voice and sing. I can sing it, but I'm not. Because uh, I, I can't sing. That's, that's some other family members. <laughs> But, um, you know, and, and that's the thing, too, is I, I, I tell a lot of us really go there to, to really get the education that you really that you really need because you can be around us. And there's so many more opportunities. Like when you, you hit the nail on the head, I think the agenda nowadays is posed like as college, like once Martin, uh, uh, Fresh Prince, um, a different world, different strokes. And all of that stopped airing, it kind of like faded out because, you know, Martin, you see him with all the HBCU stuff and every, Dwayne and them from a different world. Um, mm-hmm. Bill Cosby, even um, on his stuff. Um, well, stay with a Morehouse stuff. sweater on, didn't he? Stay with a Morehouse sweater on. I'm just, I'm just talking about what he wore. I am not talking about anything that he did afterwards or during or so. I'm just talking about what he wore. I don't condone his actions. So let's get that out the way. Um, but they stayed with those. And I think a lot of us nowadays, we look at it as to be successful, we have to go do, we have to go here, here, and here. But the downside about that is success means just because you make it to the NFL does not mean that you made it. What we need you guys to understand is Get your education. What was that like for you? Because you went to you went to a you went to A and T. What was that for you on the flip side of going to get your degree as well? Because you got some dudes that actually go to college that just go to college. Yeah, they might do some. They might be majoring in some stuff, but at the end of the day, they don't really care about a degree. They just care about making it to the NFL. Yeah, um, and that's why my young guys on this. Um, on the tornadoes, he was playing with tornadoes, and he's had a couple good. He had two good seasons, and we um we we worked on getting him into a community college. Now he's 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 in a community college, trying to get his grades right and everything like that. And uh-huh. he comes and he he talks to me a lot, and he asks me questions about you know about football and blah blah. And I try to make sure he understands like without that school part, you won't get past community college. You have to perform in the classroom, and as well as you know, I always try to talk to him and tell him, you know, what is your, what do you want, what do you want to do, what do you think you're good at, you know, like don't don't let somebody because a lot of these some of these college teams, you know, in high school and college will actually, you know, they'll try to pigeonhole you into an easy an easy degree, something they don't have to worry about you flunking out of, type yep. deal, and mm-hmm. it's like don't let yourself. Don't sell yourself short. Like I have, I have a guy who went to A and T. You know, um, 
I came in, I came in playing D line with him, and he came in. He had A and T full ride scholarship, and he decided. And in talking to him, he understood. He understood from a very early age. You know, even when we were back at nineteen, and he was twenty. He understood that he had he had a coupon, bro, for school. You know what I mean? It was a act, and it's like he didn't want to sell so short, so he went for computer engineering. He said, "I'm not uh-huh. gonna let them stick me with a liberal arts." Not, and by the way, it's nothing wrong with that, y'all. Y'all know how to use those degrees, but I'm just saying, like he, did, oh, he didn't fact, let them stick, he didn't let them stick him with a, a typical degree or uh-huh. something, or let him sit as a non-declared or something like that. He went out and he got that that computer engineering degree, to, and and then he ended up flipping that and also got a free master's degree. So we're talking about a guy who went and got six and a half years of schooling for free. And now my guy, you know, he he works on his own schedule now. Like he bikes, he bikes around Raleigh, and you know he works, you know, at certain cafes. He might you know bike to another cafe and do his work. Is he's he's making his own life. He does what he he was wants to do, and that happened from an HBCU. He didn't have to go to a PWI to make that happen. And a lot of uh-huh. kids that understand that that's so possible to, to make your dreams come true. You know, even and even if you don't make it professional in football, you know, like I said, he was a three-year starter at A&T and, and he didn't go professional, but he always had that actual goal of being his own boss in his mind. And and like I said, he took that free scholarship and he flipped that. And to me personally, that's one of the best cases I can, I can tell of a person, you know, making the best out of the situation, you know, like I'm pretty sure he did probably want to go to the league at some point in time, Hello? Mark? Time out. My phone keeps locking up and it turns off this microphone. But, oh, yeah, the he microphone, under- yeah. Yeah. He, he understood that it's, it's you know, you're, 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 a, you're, a, you're a piece in the game. You kind of got to know your place at some point in time and make the best out of it. And he said he took that degree and he's, he's living lovely right now. You know, um, it took me five years to get my, my engineering, my mechanical engineering degree. Uh-huh. And it's still to this day, it's one of the hardest things I ever did. Like, I, yeah. you know, and that's is one of the things that keeps me going in my personal life now, because I kind of think back to, you know, the kind of the kind of stuff that I had to teach myself and, and the kind of stuff that I had to try to learn and everything like that. And I, start, I go look at it compared to nowadays. And it's like, it's just everyday work is a breeze, man. I don't have a, I don't have an exam to prepare for the homework. So it kind of, it's kind of like college is a stress test for life. You know what I mean? It kind of yeah. sees how prepared you are for the stresses of life. You know what I'm saying? When they, when they don't really count, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to be homeless, but it's, it definitely see, college definitely shows you how you're able to deal with so many different kinds of, kinds of stress. You never really know what you're going to run into in college, you know, all kinds of uh, situations. Whether it be you getting sick on finals week and still having to push through that, I had that happen. I had got the flu my first finals week, you oh, know, right. and you, you know you still have to push through that and make something happen. You can't just say, "Oh, I got the flu, I can't take my finals." You just have to reschedule that finals for you. You got to make it happen. Yeah, um, that's that's crazy because that's what you know. That's what I still remember. My fourth and third grade teacher they always told us, um, always make sure that you have. Uh, a, a backup plan, at, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, if you do, you know, 
you know, go to college because that's one thing they can't take away from you. They, you know, like they said, you can't, they can't take away your mind and they definitely can't take away your degree. And the thing about it is I look at it like this, man, it's so much, so much money out here to be made. Um, if you got a degree and stuff, cool. If not, I mean, that's cool too. Um, so, you know, take whatever opportunities that you are really given. Like when you said the whole engineering thing for me, um, I'm actually, you know, I'm going back to school for logistics engineering because I'm actually in the, um, I'm actually in, I, I work with casters now and I've just been amazed by that form of engineering and what it brings to the world and what I actually can bring to that field and a, um, and what I can, and what I personally can bring to the world, and you know, I, I try to tell, I try to tell people, man, especially black people, man, we we need more black engineers, regardless if it's a mechanical engineer, computer engineering, um, logistics engineering, which will mean that I'll be, yes, I'll be working in the warehouse and stuff, but I'll mainly be on a computer and stuff of this nature, um, and there's so many different other types of engineering because growing up. I saw, excuse me, I saw so many talented people, like, you know, you know, you had the one neighborhood dude that would work on your car, or do your spark plugs, give you a new light, give you a new brick pads and all that stuff, and uh, change your oil, and change all four of your tires for $200, but this was a person that learned this on the fly, and wasn't even a mechanical engineer, and I got my car done um, it was it was last summer I got my car done, my, my Nissan. I got that done, and it was like I got the tires done. I got two tires done, oil change, uh, brakes, and I got something else done. And it came out to like uh, five hundred and something dollars, and like over two hundred and something dollars of that was just like labor and parts plus. And it was just like we are we are really gifted. Um, people in this world and we really need to take advantage of our gifts even if it's not engineering take advantage of our gifts man because I know people out here that be that that really can that can braid that can do um, a whole bunch of things but let's make it let's make it a career instead of um, just selling yourself short by just doing it for like two you getting two hundred dollars here and there when I know I, I know people that are mechanical engineers that work for, you know, Hondas, Nissans, and all those places, that's making like $30, $40 an hour. And and they don't, I mean, they got people that don't have a problem paying it. Hey, if one person won't pay you for that, I guarantee you the next will. Quickly, man. It's, it's all about just knowing your own talents, man. You know, and, and, and that's just like the synopsis of everything we've been talking about, man. It's about being able to hone your own talent and, you know, become comfortable Step, you know, what I'm saying you also have to be you have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's one of the biggest lessons, yes. Yes, I think comfortable, I think being just uncomfortable. Like, yeah, the, just just the, the workouts and, and how intense they are. You have mm-hmm. to get really you have to become comfortable being uncomfortable very quick because in football, you're going to be placed in a lot of situations how they didn't get drawn up how they're supposed to, like nothing in football works how it's supposed to, nothing's. You draw no, it up on, on, on the board. The play is not going to go exactly like that every time. There's going to be a little bit of chaos. That's what football is, a game of chaos. But mm-hmm. the best football players, they're comfortable in chaos. You go look at Patrick Mahomes. 
where everything's breaking down in the play, he still knows the right guy because he's so comfortable being uncomfortable, bro. That's what the that's what the game of football did for him. And I guarantee in his in his personal life, that's probably carrying him so far, just just knowing that he can walk into a room. And even if he is uncomfortable, you'll never know. You'll never you'll never see it on his face. You'll never know because he's just so equipped to deal with situations like that. And that's one of the biggest lessons that you really learn from sports overall is that I learned from football myself. I know mm-hmm. some people learn from other sports or other disciplines, but yep. that's one of the biggest things because a lot of nothing ever stays the same. Change is inevitable, no matter what you're oh, in, no matter what field you're in, no matter what you're doing. So at some point in time, your job, your boss, your owner, your coach is going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to bring a change to you that's going to make you uncomfortable. And you pretty much have two options. You either roll with the flow and you adjust yourself uh-huh. or you become a problem and you decide not to change and you decide not to do what you got to do. And then they do what they have to do from a business perspective. And, yeah. you know, I know that from firsthand. I know how that goes. I, I've dealt with not being a person who was coachable at the age of 18 years old, thinking I knew uh-huh. everything. And yep. that, cost, that cost me my, my place on a football team. You know, like just not being uh-huh. coachable, not being someone who knows how to accept criticism correct, accept correct criticism correct. A lot of people take criticism. Now, don't get me wrong. Some there's a lot of people who who give out criticism and they don't know how to how to take it, how to criticize correctly, right? Yeah, yeah, they don't know how to take. They don't know how to take it themselves. But at the same time, it's like when somebody's you know talking to you and they're trying to build you up. You have to understand that that's somebody who cares about you. That's somebody who really wants you to do well. And I didn't understand that as a kid, man. You know, you think you think the coach is yelling at me, he's calling me names and blah blah blah. And it's like I learned I learned after that situation that, you know, when somebody's talking to you or trying to correct you, it's because they care about you, because they want to see you do good. When somebody's not correcting your behavior, when somebody's not looking out for you, when they're when they're not giving you little two pointers here and there, you know that person either A doesn't doesn't care about you or B they gave up on you. They don't want to care uh-huh. about you anymore because they know you're you're not a, you're not a coachable person. You're not a person who takes criticism. So you don't want to burn grit, bridges like that because that's like one of the biggest regrets I have personally. That you know I burned bridges just, just by being a, a dumbass knucklehead eighteen year old. You know it's you Same you here. you you just have to you have to be ready, man. We talked about it the other day how it's like a life is just a a big old you know just. It's, it's, it's a product of every decision you ever made, you know? Yes, and, 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 like, don't – you can take that as literal as you want or as figurative if you want, but it's, like, literally every decision you made, if you decided to drink Coca-Cola yesterday, that might have some kind of effect on you 30 years from now, you know? It's, yeah, we might find out it has, you know, like, say, cancerous – you know, like how they say, like, um, Diet Cokes or Pepsis have – causes cancer like you know people didn't know that like 40 years ago but it comes out like you know 40 50 years later like oh yeah it causes cancer and shit that so you really like you said you really never know what you do today can really affect you like step you know like they'd be like stepping on an ant you know like the butterfly effect how can that affect you like you know something so small that you do today how is that really going to Bro, really one sentence, one, one sentence, bro. Like literally, one sentence changed the way my college experience went. And like I said, I don't, 
I, I look back, you have regrets, but at the same time, if you have regrets, you should also have lessons learned, right? So oh, yeah, yes. It's like I look back at it, and yeah, I'm 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 always gonna be sad that I didn't get to finish playing like I wanted to, that I didn't get to do things I wanted. But I'm also glad for the lessons that the coach taught me. You know, is it was it was a wake up call for me personally as a as a person, and I'm using that now in my my work field. I work as a business analyst now, so mm-hmm. I'm starting okay. to really you know get on the 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 higher technical side of business and starting to talk with higher ups and things like that. And you have to be confident in yourself as well as you have to be very accepting of criticism because you're going to receive criticism always. It's never like you did a, a perfect job or whatever. There's always something you could have did better. And you have to take that as they're, they're not coming at you as a personal attack. They just want you to be the best version of yourself. And that's what that's how people need to start taking criticism from people that actually that you know what I'm saying. Like I said, the criticism should only matter for people that are important. Like you shouldn't have yeah. to take. You're not. Don't. I'm not saying accept criticism from some weird guy on Instagram comment. Nah, that's 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 weird. Yeah, that's just take criticism. Like criticism should only be coming from people that are important in your life. And if they aren't important, offering a criticism, let it go in one ear and out the other. But if they are somebody important or they are a gatekeeper in your life, you need to take that criticism seriously and and use it to adjust yourself. Use it to adjust the way you're looking at the situation or or at least adjust it so you can see the situation from their end and you can understand it better. Because that's, that's kind of one of the best things I've been working on myself is trying to just look at the situation from a third-person view, you know? Kind of just Man. zooming the camera out and looking at the whole situation from the outside, yourself included. But just yeah. looking at all the pieces and, and seeing how all the pieces are affecting each other, you know, before you make a decision on something. Because that is it's one of the things about building emotional intelligence. That's something I've been, I've been trying to work on myself lately. I've been researching that, just emotional intelligence, just knowing how your emotions affect you and your decisions. Oh, and understand, man. Uh, yeah, and understanding that the way you feel isn't permanent. It's, it's always going to be, it, it's, it's just like weather. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't rain mm-hmm. all day long. It rains for a little bit, and you have to understand how to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Like if it just rains for 20 minutes, you don't go wearing a raincoat all day long, right? So mm-hmm. it's like you adjust as the weather changes, and you have, to, you have to understand how to protect yourself. If you're not emotionally intelligent, you'll, you'll make a lot of decisions that will end up putting you in a bad hole or burning bridges, and that's, like I said, that's something that we got to start teaching younger kids. We got we got to teach them at a younger age. We got to teach them emotional intelligence about how to how to control, how to recognize, and how to deal with their emotions. You know, it's I think that's a, that's a that's a problem. I feel like with black households, personally, I feel like kids really aren't taught how to deal with their emotions, or mm-hmm. how or or even how to recognize what their emotions are. Some kids, yep. you know, some some kids are are like they they they'll, they'll They'll pay your kid as being as being uh, rambunctious or 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 a kid just as a, has a short temper or whatever. But it's like we we got to do better at teaching these younger people about themselves, about how 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 big of a, a butterfly effect their their decisions can make, and how you know you can be a better person by being able to hone yourself, be able to focus yourself. And just, 
you know, not bottle up your emotions, but deal with them in a healthy way. Yeah, because when we when we go out into the world, that's what my grandma always said. It's like you, we always got to nip it in the bud because once you go out into the world, whether it's college or the workplace or so of that nature, you want to make sure you have that together so you don't end up in a situation like you did end up in thinking you know everything and you not doing what you love to do anymore, which at that time was football. Because not all of us get the opportunity to get back what we love to do. Because once you usually lose something that you love to do, more nine times out of ten, that's more than likely it's it's gone. And um, we really got to work. We we really have to work on that um, in general. And that's why, like, I'm glad I'm able to create this podcast, not only for adults our age since we're in our late twenties, but also. Hopefully this will get to some ears, to some parents, and they can let their kids listen and hear about, you know, the challenges of, of that we go through in the black community, uh, things that we could do better in just learning from our mistakes. Um, because, you know, you were able to turn a negative into a positive because you, you lost the football thing, but that propelled you to – the engineering, yeah, you went to engineering. So I'm not saying that wasn't your main focus, but you know, when you're playing football, that's usually the number one priority. Not you know nine times out of ten, that's usually the number one priority. So you per you you that was taken away. So you were like you were able to bounce onto the next thing, which was all right. I don't have this anymore. So let me get together. Let me figure this out on what I can do next to get myself together. So. I can I can set myself up for success, and that's the thing. I'm glad that we got to talk about the football stuff is because I really want to let a lot of people know, man. Like you, you got to set yourself up for success, like because you know, like they say, football literally uh, the average NFL career is like three years. That's it. Like I mean, three years you might make uh, two three hundred thousand dollars. That's it. I mean, that's really not a lot of money because there are houses that are three, two, three, four hundred, five hundred plus thousand dollars. Unless you can somehow flip that into a business or, or whatever the case may be. So, so we just try to tell people like, man, have a bigger outlook on on life. And I'm glad that you also, like I said, I'm glad that you also talked about semi pro as well too with the older individuals, I wish we would have more older individuals that could take the younger individuals under their wings and let them know, like, hey, man, you don't want to be here. I've been playing semi-pro for 12, 13 years or so of that nature. Like, because basically you're still playing this, even though you have a whole family, because you, you're you missing. You're missing something. And... Man, you do not want to have that. Fi- That's a sorry feeling. I've had that feeling before. It's not good. And and like when I got kicked off the football team, because you know, uh-huh. and you know, for a while I built I built like serious intense depression for a while, bro. Like that was that that devastated. Me. You know what I mean? Like I'd never been cut off the football team. I always been one of the best players on the team. I haven't played since eighth grade, but I just always was one of the better kids on the team. You never had to worry about getting cut. And then 
you know, to get cut because you're not being coachable or you're not accepting what the coach has to say. And it's like, it's like, like I said, that affected me heavily for a really long time. And I was angry at the wrong people for the wrong things. It took me a while. It really took me about two years to really accept it and to understand my part and understand what I did to, to, to mess that up. You know, and it, it, you know, it took a lot of personal growth, you know, um, throughout college. I kind of like stayed to myself after that. Like I said, uh-huh. it, it, it just, you know, it just, it made me look at things so much differently. And, you know, and I went to A&T to play football and to get my engineering degree. Those were my two goals. And I had one of those, you know, like I said, playing football is a privilege. I had that privilege taken away from me. And, you know, and I kind of, you know, it, it kind of happened at a, at a dark time in my life. You know, I went, like, you know what I'm saying, shortly after I lost my grandma. And, uh-huh. and you know, that kind of just compounded. And I had to learn how to deal with myself. I had to learn because, you know, I'm in college by myself. And I typically, you know, you have roommates, but I didn't really, you know, kick it with my roommates. They're just like random people I got So for for you know, to better understand the situation, I'm pretty much by myself, you know, a lot at this point in my life. And, you know, I'm kind of in my own head a lot. And it's, this is where that emotional intelligence kind of comes over. And it's, and I wish I could have, I could have knew this stuff back then. But like I said, I just wasn't really dealing my emotions in the best kind of ways for a while. And that's what, that's what ended up me staying an extra year in school because it's, it's kind of lost for a bit without football. Football gave me a lot of structure in my life. It gave me a lot of, it gave me planning. It gave me a schedule and everything like that. So I had to learn how to, how to schedule my life myself. I had to learn how to do these things that the football team was doing for me already. And I kind of like said, you know, part of that, part of that journey, you got to kind of accept your situation for what it is and understand it's not going to change. You have to just make the best from there, so you can't really keep keep dwelling on it. Um, that's why nowadays I kind of like I, I I try to watch like some kind of inspirational video on Snapchat once a day. I try to watch some about some for the better because it kind of it, it gives me it puts gas in my tank to understand that that it can be done. You know, it, anything anything's possible over with with consistency and determination. So, you know, I I don't I don't focus on what they did or what they got out of it. I focus on their mindset when I look uh-huh. at when I look at other people's when I try to look at how other people got their success or, or whatever. I focus on their mindset, how they how they you know how they loaded themselves up to be ready to to deal with the, the tasks that they're putting themselves through and how to. So, it's like so that's. Like I said, emotional intelligence, man, it's just it's, 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 it's a game changer for a lot of people. I'm not done figuring it out. I'm, I'm still learning it myself, you know, but I feel like looking into that for a lot of people is something that's so beneficial to your life. You'll understand, you know, a lot more about your decisions and why you made that decision and why things went the way they did. It's, it's just, a, you know, a big, a big thing nowadays that I'm trying to focus on a lot. Just focus on how I how I receive things and then how I process them and how, how I deal with them. So, you know, um, 
anybody listening, I think that's one of the biggest things, man. Just, just you know, before you decide on anything, before you act on anything, you, you just look at it from every act angle. Look at it. Look at it from the other person's angle, like like you're not yourself. When you look at it. Look at it from them, from their standpoint, and and really try to understand it. Don't don't try to don't try to just formulate an opinion against it. Try to understand it, and then you'll try you'll start to see there's a billion. It's, it's like what almost eight billion people on the planet, and it's so many different you know opinions and trains of thoughts out here. It's like everybody's not going to think the same. It's it's possible for everybody to say what you do. So you kind of you have to learn how other people think in order to get the best experience out of things. Because some people might not be doing what you think they're doing. Some guy might not be trying to slight you. That guy might not be trying to trying to put you down or whatever. He might just have a different way of doing that through his experiences in life. So, you know, um, if I could just wrap up everything, man, it's just, you know, just being cognizant of, of of yourself, you know, having self presence, self awareness, you know, knowing, knowing where you fit into the puzzle, and understanding that, and you know, and you know, I feel like the the, the more you're able to apply yourself in that fashion, the more you're able to just mold yourself to a situation and being, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable, just knowing how to deal with things, being a chameleon. That's the way I put it. You gotta be a chameleon, man. You gotta be able to change on the fly. Like it's, it's like I said, change is inevitable. So just, just knowing how to do that while also keeping your emotions in check gives you a lot of power over your life. So you have, I feel like we have to, we have to push that because that's just the basis for everything we've been talking about. It's just you know, just knowing, just, just understanding. You know, you gotta. It's a, it's just a deeper knowledge of oneself. That you have to you have to obtain in, in order to get whatever success you're trying to get. You know, I know guys from all kinds of you know scenarios. You know, guys who should be game bangers and just running successful food businesses now. And I, I'm not talking about like slightly successful. I'm talking about you just killing the game, bro. You know what uh-huh. I mean? And it's like, yep. It's like, dude. It's like little kids, and he he's showing these young guys this, man. It's like it's so inspirational seeing him, bro. He'll tell his story. He, he's told his story so many times. He'll never stop telling his story because he came from a darker place than I did. You know what I'm saying? Like that place was dark uh-huh. for me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not. You know what I'm saying? We're not. We're not in the business of of, of comparing tragedies or whatever. But nope. you know what I'm saying? His or nope. his situation was way more serious than mine. You know, but he was going through a lot of similar things in his mind that I was going through. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And 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 he got himself out of that hole, man. Like I said, he is flourishing now, man. He has a whole beautiful family and everything. It's like it's 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 a it's a it's a wonderful thing to see, man. And it's like it's so inspirational to people who who lost what they felt like was their dream. It's just so it's 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 lovely to see somebody else, man, still like make another dream. See them live it. And it gives you it gives me so much inspiration in my life, you know, to keep pushing, keep keep striving for things, you know, you never really know when that breakthrough's gonna happen. You don't know what your true purpose is until you're doing it, you know. It's um so yeah, man, for young cats out there, man, no matter what your situation is, keep your head up, keep pushing, stay humble. Stay coachable, and man, that's 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 the best. 
advice I can give right now, man. It's like there's no no secret recipe to success. No, whatever. Not at all. You just gotta you just have to understand that every decision you make is going to be you know encountered accounted for whenever you're you know doing what you're doing. Like it's all gonna your life is a microcosm of every single decision you've made. Man, that's so, that's really that's true. That really is like true. You never you never know when, when the right scout is coming to your game. You never know when when this is might be the test that has the most stuff on the final test that so you should probably know about this. You should probably study this stuff really hard, you know. It's like yep. you, you you never know. So it's you know, it's you know, a lot of coaches say, you know, so stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. Hey man, that's hey, that's law. Yeah, that that really is law, you know. And I hope people get from this uh, this podcast recording right here is, you know, um, it's it's really never it's never too late. Like one thing I really love, and this was a couple years ago, Chris Carter's mom, sixty some years old when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and um, she he basically said she like she 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 had just finished her uh, I think she had just finished her master's degree. And this was like the mid 2010s, and it's like it's never too late to to get to where you need to be, to to be. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of us have been in some some very dark places, but you could really you gotta pull. You really have to pull yourself from there because, like you said, um, success has no recipe, and just that one day could really change your whole your whole life like it's it's just it's really just crazy it could change it for the good or it could change it for the bad but you got to be willing to put in that work to really get to where you want to be and it took me it it took me man a couple years to really figure that out like one of my favorite sayings is uh don't confuse hard work with habit and because i'm thinking i'm you know because this was a habit of me of doing this this and this on a daily basis I'm thinking I'm hard. I'm thinking I'm doing hard work. No, I know what hard work looks like, and boy, it's, it's tough. But it's this is really worth it in the end. Um, man, I I tell people that it's really worth it to really to be able to get to where you want to be because I'm able. I, I'm actually able to live comfortable in life now. Even through the pandemic, I was still able to live comfortable, and I just feel like I'm blessed, and just the people I have in my life um, really helped out with that. Um, and even when I was growing up, I, I really said my grandma was a huge, was really a huge part of that too. Because um, I know how it feels when you when you lose your grandma and stuff. I lost my I lost my great grandma um, in the ninth grade, and it really left a huge impact on my family. Um, it left a lot of us in a dark place because we every holiday, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we would always go visit. And when you lose something like that, on top of what you already have going on, it just makes the world so much harder. But to be able to come from it and to and to bounce back and to you know keep doing and and being where you are now. 10 years, being able to look at that 10 years later now from the 18 to the 28-year-old, you're like, man, if I would have known this. But the thing about it is, 
we we tend to focus too much on man if I could go back in time. No, man. Those 18 years passed. You're going to have a good another 50, 60 plus years to go forward that you could that you could use that time from what you learned in the past to apply it to your future. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, understand that and it's like, man, but um, you know, it's great. It was really, it was really fun. Great talking to you, having you on the show. Um, kind of went a little few minutes over. I ain't mad about it. It's always good talking with you. Um, I do want to get you and a few other people on here. Um, for one of the next shows that I am having. Um, I do want to let everybody know whoever is listening, future listeners. Um, thank you. This, you know, thank you on this beautiful July seventeenth, twenty twenty one morning, coming to listen to us. Um, this podcast, Fourth and Lace, will be available on iTunes, um, Spotify, and a few and a few other networks. Um, I'll probably post this up on YouTube as well. Um, you can find me on Twitch as well at Lace Up Gamey. That's L A C E U P G A M I. Um, more than likely, if you see me on Twitch, more than likely I'm on there with with Monty and a few of other people guests that I will have on too. Um, is there anything that you want to say, Monty, to the people before we uh, wrap this up? I uh, man, I appreciate you having me on here, man. Um, I hope uh, someone hears this and it helps at least one person. You know, just just understand that situation and and how to get out of it and how to make the best out of it. You know, and um, like I said, man, I hope everybody's just doing well this after this, this morning. And I said, appreciate you having me, bro. All right, man. Well, thank y'all. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you for stopping by. Um, going to finish this up, and uh, I'll catch y'all in the next episode. Thank you for coming to the Fourth and Lace first episode. Thank you guys so so much. Please, please, please tune in on Fourth and Lace. I am on Spotify, iTunes, and a few other ones as well. Please tune in. Tell your friends, families, whoever you you know closest to, come check us out. This is all for fun, man. We're trying to create a um, a podcast here. This won't be the normal podcast. We're going to talk about so many different range topics. They're not only just going to be to um, about African Americans, because um, I do I do have I have friends of other different races or so. So everybody, we will get on every single topic. So thank you guys again. And this is your boy Lace, and I'm out. Bye.